Sitting down, why don't we turn together to the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians uh, 15. I don't know if that's me here. Well, believe it or not, this is the uh, fourth of six weeks that we've been focusing as a congregation on the subject of love. And I hope you still love me in spite of this feedback that we're getting. But uh, we'll go on. The subject of love, we've got uh, four Sundays down, two to go. And, you know, no study of love would be complete with, Eric talked about you guys being different. Differences can be difficult sometimes, can't they? And so today, and uh, we're going to be talking about different people. We're going to be talking about difficult people and how we are supposed to love them. And so I'd like to begin by asking a question, and that is, how many of you have ever had a difficult person in your life? Okay, I'm glad to see that most of you are honest, except for the few of you that didn't uh, dare raise your hands. How many of you have ever been a difficult person in someone else's life? Get all those hands up there. Every one of you, I know you. My hand's up too. Well, how do you love people when they become difficult? Well, to get your thinking going... I'd like to um, give you a list of the difficult people that I personally find the hardest. These are the top ten rude acts that really bug me, uh, even as a pastor. Number ten, people who call you and then say, who is this, before they identify themselves. Don't you hate that? I'm going, no, you tell me who you are before I tell you who I am. You're intruding in our home here. Number nine, people who slurp their soup. Don't you hate that? I hope some of you do anyway. That may not bug you, but I think soup should be seen and not heard. Period. Number eight, people who uh, honk their horns in traffic jams that are going nowhere. You know, the guy's honking, nobody's moving. That's really helpful, you know. What a waste of energy. You're just adding to the stress. Number seven, people who... um, tail you on the road as though you're committing some great sin by going the speed limit. Ever experienced that? People who don't get out of the way when you're on the road in spite of the fact that you're tailing them. You're in a hurry. And they should know this. Right? They just don't get it. Number five. People who cheat at the grocery express line who bring more items than are allowed. I I counted. Get out of the line, buddy. Go to the other line. Number four, people who send me junk mail and junk emails. Sam, I just hate that. People, number three, people who uh, leave church early during the offering before the sermon. Number two, same as number three. Number one, the number one of the trivial things that irritates uh, this pastor most is people who come from the opposite direction and steal the parking spot you've been patiently waiting for. They just turn in. And, you know, it's going to be so hard to walk three more aisles of cars to that, you know, to that mall. Don't mind skinning up a mountain, but I'm going to get close. Well, those are trivial, but, of course, difficult people range all the way from the trivial to the, like, totally tragic in terms of what they wreak in the lives of the people around them, and maybe in your life too. And given how many of them there are, not surprisingly, the love chapter in Scripture, the love chapter in Scripture gives us a verse that instructs us 
in a very simple but a very powerful way how to love them. It's 1 Corinthians 13.5. And um, the scripture teaches, uh, we're going to see today, that when you do love them, that uh, when you love them like Christ loved them, that is what is going to change them. When we don't, it just makes the problem worse. Uh, the scripture says, when we love our enemies, it's like coals of fire on their heads, right? Coals of fire is good. It's redemptive. It's conviction that changes, not by what we say, but by what we do. That is, as you'll see up on the screens, when you love your enemies, it really messes with their minds. So if you want to mess with the mind of someone who you can't stand, love them. See what it does. First Corinthians 15:3. Love is not rude. This is from the Living Translation. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. And love keeps no record of when it has been wronged. These are the four marks of real love. And they come to play, I found, especially when it comes to loving people who are different. People who, therefore, are difficult. First, love is not rude. Which really means this in a lot of ways. It means I must be tactful with these people and not just truthful. You know how you feel like they deserve the truth and so you nail them? No, you must be tactful and not just truthful because love is not rude. Love is tactful. In other words, you don't just return their rudeness. You, you overcome evil with good. You don't respond in kind. When people are difficult, we're not supposed to be difficult back. Someone said rudeness is a weak man's imitation of strength. Some people think they're being frank when really they're just being rude. People say, you know, I just speak my mind and they're kind of proud of that. I just tell it like it is. Actually, telling it like it is is not always the best way to communicate. It's not always the helpful in helping people to change. Telling it like it could be. Telling it like it should be, telling it like it, you know, might be, like telling it like it could be for them in hope, that actually builds people up. Not just by writing them off and telling them like it is. A lot of times, frankness uh, is just rudeness. And you need to ask yourself, why am I saying it this way? Am I saying it so I can let off some steam? Or am I saying it really for the benefit uh, of the other person? Proverbs 16:21. A wise, mature person is known for his understanding. The more pleasant his words, the more persuasive he is. The more pleasant you are, the more persuasive you'll be with difficult people. You might write that. You, you might write that down. I, I'm never persuasive when I'm abrasive. Never. When I'm abrasive, you know, with my wife or kids or when I'm abrasive with clerks, when I'm abrasive with anybody, I'm never really persuasive. I don't know if you've watched any of the political debates. I guess it was a couple of years now. seems like an eternity. Uh, presidential, vice presidential debates. And at the bottom of some of those channels, they have those little graphs, instant feedback from, you know, target audiences. And they press the button that they like it or they don't as they watch it. So you get this feedback and the little graph, um, whether people generally approved or disapproved of what they were saying at that second. It's pretty instructive. I noticed that whenever either side went into kind of an attack mode, the approval rating went down. Why? Because I'm never persuasive when I'm abrasive. 
People just go, you know, that's not the way to get to the cross. Even presidential candidates don't know that. Or they do, but you, you, just, you just slip up. You don't, get, you don't get your point across by being cross. The way you say something determines the way it's received. If you say it offensively, it's going to be received defensively. These are kind of no-brainer truths that we all forget in the heat of the battle, right? That's why love, in a lot of ways, is all about words. It's all about tact. Yes, it's being truthful. Uh, You're not lying when we shouldn't do that, but it's saying it tactfully. Do you want to be below them? Well, then attack them. That puts you below them. Do you want to be even with them? Then get even with them. Do you want to be above them? Then say something nice back. It all depends on where you want to be. Love is tactful and not just truthful. But second, according to 1 Corinthians 13.5, love does not demand its own way. When you have a difficult demanding person, don't do it in return. Love, because true love does not demand its own way, which means I must be understanding and not demanding. Especially with difficult people. Understanding and not demanding. Rather than just, you know, adding fuel to the fire and getting demanding in return. The Bible tells us that, that patience in that kind of situation comes from perspective. It comes from having the right perspective. It says in Proverbs that a man's wisdom gives him patience. Patience comes from perspective. It is his glory to overlook an offense. The more you understand about a person, the more patient you're going to be with them. I'm I'm generally impatient with people that I don't understand. Or at least it makes it a lot harder to be patient. But when I know them, and when I know them well, I'm going to know what, what you might call their three B's. Something that we should always think about when we're dealing with people that are hard for us. Three B's. Their background, their battles, and third, their burdens. Their background, their battles, and their burdens. Before you get sharp, you know, or short with anybody, you need to say, do I know their background? Uh, Do I know the battles they're going through right now? Do I know the burdens they're carrying? That's going to make me, you know, a lot more understanding and less demanding with other people. We're more likely to give them a break. We often look at people and go, you know, look how far they've got to go. Don't you feel that way sometimes? I'm sure glad that's not me. I'm surprised God hasn't given up on that person. But we rarely stop and say, say, I wonder how far they've come. Right? I wonder how far they've come. Maybe they were, you know, raised in a family where they had no model for kindness, no model of courtesy. Maybe they grew up in a like totally uh, dysfunctional home and they've gotten this far and they ought to be applauded for that. We always look at how far they've got to go. Often we don't look at how far they've come. So I look at their background and I also look at their burdens. What, you know, what burdens are they carrying? They may be sick. It may be, you know, that time of the month. Who knows? Maybe they've got a back problem. There are all kinds of battles and burdens that people carry that we don't know anything about. 
Love is understanding and not demanding because of that. Again, a man's wisdom giveth him patience. It is his glory to overlook an offense. Love lets go. You might say, love assumes the worst when it comes to backgrounds, battles, and burdens of the other person. The safest bet is to assume the worst with a difficult person. Assume the worst about his backgrounds, his battles, and his burdens, and so then you can assume the best about how they're behaving right now. How far they've come. It kind of gives them a break, like someone did for us. So 1 Corinthians 13.5 says, Love is not rude. That is, I must be tactful. And uh, not just truthful. Love does not demand its own way. That is, I must be understanding and not demanding. But third, it says love is not irritable. Love is not irritable, which means I must be uh, gentle and not judgmental. Gentle and not judgmental. It's important to understand the difference between using your judgment on one hand and being judgmental on the other. There's a big difference between those two, isn't there? You've got to use your judgment, and we're called to, so that you can see when something's gone wrong. There's nothing wrong with doing that. You've got to be able to decide and discern between right and wrong to be able to know what the truth is. But the truth is not judgmental. It's only judgmental, you know, when you beat someone over the head with it. Or when it turns your heart against that person because of whatever they're doing or they are. That's when it becomes judgmental. The Bible says we've got to use our judgment. We're called to many places in Scripture. You've got to be smart about things. But you don't have to be judgmental about people. Be gentle. Proverbs 15, 4 says, Gentle words bring life and health. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. I, I love the way the message paraphrases it. The message of paraphrase says, It says, Kind words heal and help but cutting words wound and maim. And it's in those contexts where someone is acting up and they're being demanding of you and you become judgmental that words come out that are not gentle, that wound and maim. So be tactful and not just truthful. Understanding, not demanding. Gentle, not judgmental. And then the last thing in 1 Corinthians uh, 13.5 says this, love keeps, and I'm sorry we have to bring this up, I, we did last week too because it was in our text then, this keeps cropping up in Scripture, so like it or not, ready or not, here we go. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Talking about the F word, forgiveness. Love keeps no record of wrongs, which means when the rubber meets the road, it means this, don't repeat it. Don't repeat it, rather delete it. Don't repeat it. What do I mean by that? Well, typically when we get hurt, we do repeat it, and we repeat it in three ways. We repeat it kind of emotionally in our minds, right? Like a broken tape. And then we repeat it verbally as a weapon against them, either in that context of being hurt or uh, because it happened in the past. Or we repeat it uh, secretly by talking behind their back. Don't repeat it. 
First, you don't rehearse it over in your mind. Leviticus 19.17 Don't bear a grudge against others, but settle your differences with them so you will not commit a sin because of them. How is this possible? How do I commit a sin because of them if I keep a grudge? Well, study after study has shown that, you, that what, whatever you rehearse, you start to resemble. Uh-oh. Better start changing master control up here, right? Whatever you think about most is what you move toward. Uh-oh. This is a big deal. It's not for their sake only that I forgive. It's for my sake. If all you think about is how you've been hurt in the past, you're moving toward the past. If you focus on the future, you move to the future. If you focus on the promises of God, you'll move toward the promises of God. If you focus on potential, you'll move toward potential. But if you focus on your pain, you're moving toward your pain. Duh. I've done that. And whenever you rehearse it, you'll begin to resemble it. I'll never, I'm never going to be like my father. Right? I'm never going to be like my mother. I will never. Guess what? The very fact that you're focused on them means you're moving toward that. So he says you're only hurting yourself by repeating it over and over in your mind. The second thing is that you don't repeat it over and over in arguments with that person. Proverbs 17.9 Love forgets mistakes. Nagging about them parts the best of friends. You don't keep bringing them up. You don't keep a record of things. You don't, you don't just keep bringing, the, bringing it back as ammunition. Yes, it, it parts the best of friends and it also parts marriages. Right? And everything else. Nagging doesn't work. One guy said, whenever I get in an argument with my wife, she gets historical. She tells me everything I've ever done wrong. Well, we laugh at that, but the truth is that destroys a lot of marriages. Bringing up the past is not the way to better your marriage. Love keeps no record of wrongs. And there's a third way, though, that we repeat it. Proverbs says gossip is spread by wicked people talking behind their back. Gossip is spread it's not just a little white sin, according to Scripture. Gossip is spread by wicked people. Let that sink in. Wicked. Gossip is wicked in the eyes of God. He, God hates it. He ha absolutely hates it. He hates it as much as he hates pride. Because a lot of times, that's what gossip is. You cut someone down and thereby lift yourself up above them. There's so much more, but our time is up. Love your enemies. You want to mess with someone's mind? Love them. That's how to get back at them. You want to really change them when they're being difficult? Well, then be tactful and uh, not just truthful. Understanding and not demanding. Gentle and not just judgmental. And whatever you do, don't repeat it. Delete it. Does that mean you just stuff it, you know, and don't deal with issues and pain in relationships? Oh, no, not at all. In fact, this week in our groups, we're going to learn how to be delivered from that pain, how to forgive, how to go through that process truthfully, 
uh, and in love. There's a whole nother sermon there. But the question for today is, has someone really, really hurt you or just bugged you, you know, or ticked you off? Are they kind of like a burr under your saddle? Well, then the best way to get back at them is to love them because that is what really messes with their minds, which, of course, is just what he did on the cross when he went to die for us. He so loved us that he died for us when we were lost in our sins, when we were wicked, shaking the fist at God Almighty, totally depraved. He loved us. He loved his enemies. And talk about messing with your mind. It can change your life. It sure did mine. And so, I can't imagine a better way to end this today than to go to the table. The table where we remembered, uh, we remember how he loved difficult people, you and me included. So we'll have the ushers come forward.